0: Welcome to the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for being part of the show where your rabbi reveals how the world really works. Great to be together again, and great for you to know that you are part of the show, that 9 out of 10 doctors guarantee, the show that brings added visual clarity, happiness, virility, and relief from back pain, the show in which no electrons are injured and no carbon is produced, a show with zero tolerance for drifters, dreamers, and derelicts, and for all the rest of us, why don't we just dive right in to the things you really care about? Are you interested in theology? No! Theology is what people think about God. Who cares? Now, we talk about what God thinks about people. That's entirely different. Do you really care about impeachment hearings on Capitol Hill? No! Do you really care about the latest fecal mess in the city of San Francisco? No, those are not things we talk about. We talk about things that really matter in your life. We speak about things that impact your bank account, your pocketbook, your money. We speak about things that impact your relationships sexual and non-sexual relationships that have to do with family and the creation of family and those that have to do with friendships and finance. Those are the things we talk about. And so right now, let me tell you that when Boeing or Airbus or Bombardier or any of the major airplane manufacturers in the world build an airplane, do they tell you, when you take delivery of an airplane, do they say to you, hey, uh, you know what, we're guaranteeing you a 98.7% success rate. Uh, the plane you bought from us, 98.7% uh, likelihood that it'll fly well. And if it doesn't, hey, you know, you are our beta testers. If it doesn't, Just tell us and uh, we'll repair it or replace it. No problem. No, that's not what happens. They tell you the plane will fly 100% and they're right. And that's why it is when a problem happens, as with Boeing's ill-fated 737 MAX with the uh, automatic attitude adjustment uh, software, when something like that happens, it's a huge deal. Because we are all accustomed to the fact that when you buy an airplane, you don't have to worry. It's not, there's not going to be a lemon coming off the assembly line. And you know what? That doesn't even happen with cars anymore. You buy a car, 100% likelihood that it's going to be just fine. How about if you build a building? Right. Again, you know, with the, with the exception of external factors like saboteurs and terrorists. But when you build a building, The architect and the engineers, they don't say to you, you know what, we're going to give you about a 98% certainty that this building will stand. No, it's going to stand. And what's more, so sophisticated have they become that they'll even tell you it'll withstand a hurricane, it'll withstand uh, an earthquake uh, of a certain amount. You don't have to worry. That's how it works because it's all predictable. Uh, you build a ship, right? I used to I used to build boats. I used to build boats out of ferro cement. Also, bu- bu- built one boat out of wood. Uh, you love building boats. And at no time do you say, "Well, you know what? I'm following this design. I'm following engineering instructions. I think there's about an eighty percent chance this is going to float." That's not how it works. The Titanic was a huge exception. It hit an iceberg. But ordinarily, when you buy a ship, it doesn't sink. That's the normal. I think it's safe to say about 100%. It's very close to 100%. 100% of airplanes fly. 100% of buildings stand. That's how sophisticated we've got. Years of experience. Now, I ask you, have we had more experience building airplanes or more experience uh, starting businesses. Well, I think you'll agree that airplanes started at the beginning of the twentieth, early in the twentieth century, but we were creating businesses going back a thousand years. Uh, the the Great Hanseatic League, um, towns like Lubeck on the uh, on on the Baltic Sea, and many other towns were part of a place where business people. Uh, aligned with one another and and built organizations we've had even more time and experience building businesses than we've had building buildings uh, ships and airplanes how about marriages have we had more experience building ships or more experience building marriages much more with marriages uh, steamships powered ships took over from sale right in the uh, in the 19th century basically and uh, well a little bit a little bit earlier but not much i mean that was about when uh, when people began to start traveling and indeed um, steamship a steamship took mark twain uh, to israel in uh, 18 in the 1860s right because at that point it was becoming and it was by by those standards it was a luxury liner uh, and so by by that period, like a thousand American Christian Zionists were traveling to Israel every year by ship. Uh, ships have been around for a fairly long time, but how about marriages? Even longer. So wouldn't you think that if we hit uh, just about a 100% reliability rating on airplanes, and 100% reliability on ships, and 100% reliability on um, on buildings and airplanes and, and ships, then don't you think we should hit at least 100%, right, even more, uh, on things like businesses and marriage? And it turns out not to be the case. As a matter of fact, the success rate for new business starts up, startups is very bad. Um, it's difficult to have exact figures, by the way, You know, even though there are many places that cite figures Uh, not really reliable. Is it one in two fail in the first seven years? It may be not quite as bad as that, maybe like that, but it's bad. I mean, we're certainly nowhere near a 100% success rate when people start businesses. Uh, When people start marriages, wouldn't you have thought something that is so already firmly entrenched in the human experience that we should have it down, Right. Go get a book on marriage, get married, nothing to worry about. And yet again, uh, the success rate for first marriages is not uh, as low as 50%, in spite of the fact that you'll hear that figure battered around. I have investigated that, and that is an attempt at coming up with a consolidated figure for first, second, and third marriages. Second and third marriages are notoriously shorter lasting than firsts. So, what is the success rate for a first marriage in America today? Uh, Depending how much time you say, like, what is the chances of a first marriage lasting twenty years? I I think I think it's somewhere around about sixty to seventy percent. It's not great. It's really not a great statistic. Even if it's seventy five percent, it's it's not good enough. So, why is it that? on businesses and marriages. You try to build a business, you try and build a marriage, very challenging, no guarantees at all, but you try and build a skyscraper, a submarine, a cruise liner, a jet liner, and you get 100% reliability. Answer, well, you are not a new listener to the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show, are you? If you are, hey, welcome, happy to see you, but if you are already an established regular listener, well, then not only do you earn my respect and appreciation, but you already know the answer to that question. The answer is that it's much easier to deal with physical things than spiritual things. Physical things can be completely predictable. And so, yes, I build a a skyscraper or a submarine or an airplane. These are physical challenges. I can work out the equations. I can study the strength of materials and adhesives and fittings. All of this can be calculated out and it'll work out exactly like the calculation because there are no variations on physical commodities. Now, spiritual, a different story altogether when it comes to marriage a man and a woman committing to one another to be united and to create life and to build their own lives together this is a hugely spiritual undertaking to build a business and here's the shocker a lot of people would think that building a business is materialistic oh he's just interested in the money oh it's material nothing could be further from the truth Uh, building a business is a supremely spiritual endeavor. It is very, very spiritual. And because spiritual things are much harder to predict uh, than physical things, it's harder to predict the success ratio of businesses and marriages. But wait, is money spiritual? What are you talking? Yes, sure it is. Sure it is. I have spoken in the past about a woman I know whose name I will never tell you. I will not identify her. I want you to know you could waterboard me. That's right, waterboard me. And you won't get the name from, out of my lips of this woman. But this woman, whom I know well, will drive halfway across town in order to buy gasoline for her car at four cents a gallon less than the local place. And I might say to this lady, uh, you know... Um, it doesn't make sense because you're actually going to use more gas than is saved by the four cents a gallon worth of gas you'll save by going there. You're better off just getting it out. Over- that would be a materialistic explanation. That would be a physical explanation. It totally ignores the spiritual dimension, which is that this particular woman has a need to get a bargain. She has a need to pay less. That's just a part of It's a spiritual thing. It's not a physical thing, right? There is no squirrel on the planet that would be willing to exert additional energy in order to get a shinier acorn. It wouldn't happen because animals are physical, but people are spiritual. The whole reason that brands work is because... Transactions, financial transactions, are spiritual, right? Uh, when you when you buy a certain brand, right? There are many many certain brands that men and women turn to. Is that a physical? Well, yes, it's higher quality. That's why it is. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But it's an emotional, spiritual reason that makes you want that particular brand, right? Cars, cars are commoditized. You want transport, get a car but wait, why do you need so many different brands? Well, because I care about my children and I care about their safety, so I'm going to buy a Volvo. Yeah, right. All the other cars on the road do not get built according to uh, government requirements and regulations. No, they build sloppy, dangerous vehicles. Only Volvo builds really safe. Come on, if you believe that. No, this is built into people and they've identified brands as filling certain needs. And whether you're buying paper towels, or you're buying food products, or you're buying anything, uh, almost always the spiritual dimension is a very important part of the whole process. Can't, can't be escaped. And so, uh, yes, building a business is very spiritual. Building a marriage is obviously very spiritual, and not surprisingly, they both have about the same success ratio, very, very similar. And that in itself isn't all that surprising uh, because we um, we find that there are other similarities about building a marriage relationship and building a business. As a matter of fact, there are five specific similarities, five specific similarities between money, and the marital relationship. Making money and the marital relationship. Let me tell you what the five are. Okay, uh, number one, you need to interact with another person. Number two, communication is what causes the transaction, brings about the transaction. Uh, number three, both in both instances, the focus is on the needs and the satisfaction of the other person. Uh, number four, Um, One is, in both cases, seeking something spiritual, not merely physical. And number five, both instances, money and marriage, the marital relationship and the money relationship, a transaction, you are better off afterwards than you were before. Okay, let's take a deeper dive into each of these five things. But before I do that, let me ask you this. Let's imagine you meet a 20-year-old amnesiac. Guy knocks on your door. Hi, can you help me? Well, uh, I'll try. What do you need? Well, I've lost my memory, and uh, my doctors tell me I'm never getting it back. Okay, how can I help you? Well, he says, I I know how to put on my pants. I've got a rough idea of how cars work and how traffic works. I, I kind of see and, and understand most of that, but I have absolutely no recollection of what lies ahead. I'm 20 years old, and I need to know what... Are, like. I don't remember anything. I mean, I remember basic arithmetic and so, but I don't remember anything beyond that. What I need to ask you for your help is, can you tell me what are the absolutely vital things that I need to know and understand in order to have a successful life? What are you going to say to him? Well, okay, number one is you gotta know how to mow a lawn really? Is that what you'd say? I don't think. Okay, let me tell you. I'm pleased you knocked on my door. Uh, Here's number one. Make a note of this. I don't want you to forget it. You have to learn ballet dancing. No, right? You can see the world is full of things that you would never dream of saying to the 20-year-old amnesiac, look, if you want a successful next 60 years of your life, you really need to know these things. And so think about it. There are two things and there are really only two things that you would say to him, look, here are the two most essential things you've got to get down. What are they? And I think you would agree. The answer is, number one, you've got to learn what money is and how to get a job and how to hold a job, right? You, you've got to figure out how to make money. There are people who can tell you this. There are people who can help you. But that's number one. You've got to be financially independent. Number two, you need to find a woman. You need to know how to marry her and make her marry you. And you need to start a family. If you got those two things right, everything else will fall into place. You don't have to worry about anything. Do you follow what I'm saying? When you get right down to it, this 20-year-old person who's lost his memory, those are really the only things he needs to know because at the end of the day if he's got a terrific marriage and a wonderful family and no money worries his life's a huge success it's fantastic it's as good as it gets and that's why those are the things that you would tell him you know, you're not going to tell him well the first thing you need to do is you need to enroll in a course to uh, master gender studies no uh listen, I think maybe the first thing you have to do is you have to learn about racial prejudice in um, uh, medieval Italian literature. No, I don't think so. No, you get right down to it. You want a successful life. Those are the two things, money and marriage. Male-female relationships, get that down and get money down. Okay, so now let's go back and look at these five similarities. These five more than similarities, they're commonalities between the marital relationship and the financial relationship. Okay, number one was you need to interact with another person. Okay, uh, if you are isolated, if you are in the Sahara Desert, sitting on a sand dune with a whole pile of snicker bars and a few cases of Coca-Cola, and you're as happy as could be, you will never be able to make money. It's not possible, because you are not in connection with any other people. Money comes about when one human being serves another. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time elaborating on that, because I've written books on the topic. If I've just said something that really baffles you, and you think to yourself, well, that's not the definition of money I learned at college in Econ 101. There it said, money is a medium of exchange, etc., 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 blah, 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 blah. No, Uh, money is a spiritual evidence of one person serving another. That's all it is. And so, uh, if if you are going to make money, you absolutely need another human being with whom to interact. So you have to know that, and the more people with whom you can t- interact, the better off you are financially. No question about it. How about on the marital relationship? You need to interact with another person. Absolutely, right? Self-evident, right? It's pretty clear. Um, a a sexual or a marital relation. No, it, it, it has to have another person. Clearly. All right, number two, communication brings about the transaction. That's right. Uh, This is one of the reasons that I teach in all my material, including the Financial Prosperity Collection, the 10-hour video program you'll see on my website. Uh, I teach that um, you have to improve your gift of the gab. You've got to be able to increase your fluency, and your ability to articulate effectively, uh, you've got to be a better communicator than you are, and I give you ways in which to do this, because your mouth, your ability to speak is one of your most important money-making tools, so you need to develop it, you need to be very careful not to hurt it or harm it in any way, there are a number of ways in which to harm your ability to communicate but how effectively you can suggest a transaction to somebody else how effectively you can sell something to somebody else how effectively you can have a meeting and uh, and bring about a partnership with somebody else depends on how effectively you can express the idea and with what conviction you come across so the communication without communication there's never going to be a financial transaction right? Doesn't, doesn't happen. Uh, how about in the marital relationship? Sure. Absolutely. Because we're not talking about heaven forbid a rape. We're talking about a woman willingly and joyfully surrendering herself to a man she loves and admires. What a great situation. But that only comes about if he has first won her heart with words. And uh, it's, it's one of the reasons, by the way, we have a fantastic resource in the store on our website called Hands Off This May Be Love. And it's a book that explains why during dating there is so much value, huge and tremendous value, in not having any physical contact. Because even touching skin, holding hands turns both a man and a woman who are attracted to one another into mental mush. And so the the whole effectiveness of communication becomes eroded by the overwhelming sensual power of skin-on-skin contact. And so, Hands Off This May Be Love suggests that if there is, this particular book we have, it's a wonderful book, the the thing we explain is that if there's seriousness, if you really think this is the right person, then you need to give it the best shot possible by avoiding the impact of physical contact. You've got to give communication a chance, and even at its lowest levels, even at its most banal levels. And mundane levels. Uh, Let's say, you know, a a, some low-life guy's trolling bars hoping to pick up a girl for a date for the weekend or whatever. Uh, Everybody knows that you know that there are tiresome and weary old pickup lines. Hi, do you come here often? Or what's a nice girl like you do? Etc. etc. These are all useless, and any girl who falls for them deserves exactly what she gets, which will be about nothing. And um but it's always an attempted at communication, and this principle, by the way, is uh, is taught in the serpent approaching the satanic serpent approaching Eve in the Garden of Eden um, early in Genesis. I recommend you take a look at it. Uh, the serpent is trying to seduce Eve into a, a course of action which is highly destructive, and he knows. Any seduction has to start off with communication. He's got to get her talking. And um, how do you do that? Well, you always ask a question. And it's a question that demands, that, that pulls on every mental ganglion of the recipient to give a response. So, for instance, what the serpent said to Eve is amazing. Hey, Eve. Um, is it true that God said you guys aren't allowed to eat any of the trees in the garden? Now, he knew perfectly well that wasn't true. But he also knew that Eve would be almost uh, incapable of ignoring him. I mean, that's just not polite. And you can't say yes, because that's not true. So she has to enter into a communication. She says, no, 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 no. What God said was that we welcome to eat all the trees of the garden as much as we like. However, we mustn't eat of the tree. Uh, and he start, she starts going into all the details. And at that point, there's already a communication and there's a conversation. And uh, the serpent is well on his way to achieving his devious and snake-like ends right, and so uh, uh, devious and snake-like guys, not men, boys, uh, have also, they've also figured out the lines that work for picking up girls, and girls who allow themselves to be picked up in that situation, I don't want to say deserve what they get, because I don't think any girl deserves what uh, these guys have in store for them, but uh, look, it's it's sad and horrible and tragic, and uh, uh, but basically they're 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 wasted in in so many ways and um and and a and a girl who has fallen for a boy like that uh she's never quite the same again if if the truth be told uh, I know that nobody wants to believe that, least of all women, but uh it is true you have been changed forever. so uh the idea of communication to bring about that transaction, whether it's economic or marital. Yes, communication is the beginning of everything. Uh, The the word is how it all starts. Number three, I told you that in both the financial and the marital transaction, the focus is on the needs and the satisfaction of the other. And sure enough, that's called customer service. If you um, come up, to a store let's say you're shopping at Nordstrom and uh, the sales lady comes up to you and says um, hi and you say hi good afternoon and you're about to say I'm just looking because you know she's about to ask what you want what you might be looking for sometimes you are looking for something she's very helpful other times you are about to just now I'm just looking just what looking around but before you can say that the sales lady says to you um hi uh, I'm hoping you'll buy something of at least $100 value today because I do need the commission from that. <laughs> what do you do? You know, you shake your head. You, say, Am I on candid camera? I mean, is, is somebody taking a movie to watch my reaction? This is so crazy. Who's ever heard of that? Nobody, because that's not how it works. Business comes about by each person focusing on the needs and the desires and the satisfaction of the other person. And that's why the Nordstrom sales lady will say, can I help you? Are you looking for anything in particular? And then sure enough, you feel as if you are a jewel on the cushion of Nordstrom Hospitality. Listen to me. Anyone would think Nordstrom advertises on this show? Maybe that's a good idea. Somebody needs to talk to them uh, because I'm I'm happy to enthuse about their customer service. That's what we're talking about, exactly. So uh, rule number three, remember, number one, you got to interact with another human being. Number two, communication. Number three, you've got to focus on the needs and desires and satisfaction of the other person. And similarly, in a marital relationship, how does that work? Both on a physical level of intimacy and also in day-to-day marital interaction comes about best when you find ways of making your partner happy. That's what happens. It works great. Different ways, right? Different things make a man happy. Different things make a woman happy. But the focus on the needs of the other person is absolutely fundamental, and and that's why it is, even at an intimate level, uh, particularly to the man, it's of profound importance that he has satisfied the needs and desires and satisfaction of his wife, profoundly, and the Nordstrom salesperson, exactly the same, and whether or not that person earned a commission, if they solved a problem, For their customer, they feel good because that's what they do. That's their profession. It's great. Okay, number four. I said number four is that what we're seeking is something spiritual, not just physical. And sure enough, uh, when you earn money, it's not just the money you're looking for. It's the actual earning of it. It's having served another one of God's children. And that's why it is that, as I think most of you know, now we got listeners all over the world, and I, I love that, and by the way, you must go to my website, rabbidaniellappin.com, go to contact us, and do tell me where you're listening from, particularly if it's anywhere exotic, I mean, anywhere at all. Do we have anyone listening in Uruguay? I I haven't looked at the map and I can't see it from here, but I, I don't remember if we got anyone in, in Uruguay. How about, um, how about uh, uh, Ukraine? We need some more listeners in Ukraine. That's right. The land of the most beautiful women in Europe, the Ukraine. Where are all the Ukrainian listeners? I need to hear from you. Okay, Pakistan. I know we got quite a few listeners in Pakistan. But okay, go to the website, com and do let me know where you're listening from. At any rate, um, many of you listening from around the world may not be familiar with the American lotteries, right, where people, foolish people, buy tickets and all the money um, gets put together, the government takes most of it, and then they leave out some in prizes, and if Money is all that makes one happy. If money, you know, if this was totally a physical experience, all you got to do is get dollar bills in your hand, then it should make no difference whether you get them from a lottery winning or whether you get them from earning it by serving another human being. And yet the difference is stupendous. You can't measure the difference. Uh, People who win money through a lottery end up not being very happy at all and in fact very often their lives spiral downwards but people who make good money by earning it oh they really derive happiness and if the issue is physical then money is money but it isn't it's spiritual and part of making money is serving god's other children that satisfaction makes the money you earn really special and so in a financial transaction, we're seeking spiritual, not just physical. How about in the um in the marital relationship? And let's talk about the intimate side of that for the moment. Surely that's physical, isn't it? I mean, after all, isn't aren't we just talking about a little genital friction? I mean, isn't that what this is all about? No, hardly. Not at all. Um well, wait a second. Don't you know, Rabbi Lappin, aren't you aware that pretty soon men aren't even going to want to date or marry women? They're going to want to marry female robots. Okay, if you believe that, then your name has to be, well, I shouldn't say. I was going to mention um, the founder of a uh, very newsworthy uh, automobile company, but, uh, but no, uh, y- look, I understand that a lot of people and a lot of intelligent people say that, but intelligent isn't the same as wise. And not only can I assure you that you will never see men preferring robots to women. Um, I can even tell you how I know that and why that is. There are a lot of reasons, but I'll give you just one reason which I'm sure will suffice. And that is, yes, I understand that a robot can give a man pleasure. I do understand that. But that's not nearly as important as the fact that unlike a woman, a man cannot give a robot pleasure. A robot cannot receive joy and delight and happiness and excitement. Only a woman can. And it is of supreme importance to a man to be able to do that, to give that joy. And that's one of the reasons that you really don't have to worry. Oh, artificial intelligence is taking over the world. Oh, stop it already. Don't be silly. Um, Oh, men are going to just want to marry robots. No, no." it's not going to happen. You don't have to worry. Because in both the financial transaction and the marital transaction or the marital relationship, the primary need is spiritual, not physical. And robots cannot provide that spiritual component. Only real, live women can. And men will always want women. They will never want robots instead. Not going to happen. And finally, and lastly, number five, is that in both cases, the parties are better off than they were before. They're happier than they were before. Let's look at the financial transaction. Well, I'm sure you will agree that when you walk out of the store with a uh, a brand new sweater, a beautiful sweater with um, beautiful designs embroidered into it, you you can't wait to wear it. You're trying to think of where would be the best occasion to wear this beautiful sweater. And you're happy, and at no point you say, "Oh, I regret the thirty dollars I spent on the sweater." Oh, I wish I had the thirty dollars back. No, you're happy you have the sweater. Now you know, in six months' time, may lie in your closet unused, and you say to yourself, "You know, I need to find somewhere to sell this. Maybe, uh, maybe there's an app for that." And uh, and so that that is what happens in a transaction. How about the store from which you bought? it? You go into the store and say, hey, are you miserable that somebody just walked out with that beautiful sweater? Uh, Like, are you all sad? The person says, you don't understand how stores work. I'm as happy as could be. That uh, sweater was the last one in my inventory of that. I was looking forward to getting rid of it so I can place another order. And a customer came in and wanted just that. I'm as happy as could be. And you think to yourself, oh, my God, what a beautiful system you created of human economic interaction. You've created a way for two human beings to interact using the miracle of money, and at the end of it, these 2 huge, your two human children are happier than they were before. The person who bought the sweater is happier than she was before she bought it. The storekeeper who sold the sweater is happier than he was before the transaction. How beautiful is that? Two human beings who are total strangers to one another interact with one another economically through the miracle of money and both go away happier than they were before. How beautiful is that? And on the marital and intimate level, um, I probably don't need to spend any time explaining that. Uh, Again, the, the man and the woman will be the first to agree that under good circumstances, they are both a whole lot happier than they were before. So, Uh, That is the advice that I give to a 20-year-old amnesiac, somebody who's lost his memory. Hey, you just got to learn about money and male-female relationships, and you are going to be just fine. That's how incredible this really is all about. Um, It's something you really are going to appreciate as the years go by, that those are the things you really have down. And so... uh, uh, that's one of the reasons, by the way, and I've, I've written on this lately in one of the thought tools, but um, it's very interesting. In the book of Ecclesiastes, and uh, and again, I, I know that many of you uh, are Bible followers, many of you are not. That's fine, but uh, I strongly recommend in any event that even if you are not religious, and that's fine, I'm delighted to have you on the show, uh, you should nonetheless own a Bible because it's simply too important a book. It's a book that really has done so much to shape the civilization in which you live and in which you thrive. Um, I should also tell you, and and I'll come back to this in more detail at another time, but uh, in the uh, 19th century, throughout the 1800s, particularly in America, there was a huge and deeply committed movement of Christian Zionism, where um, Christians m- m- traveled to Israel, they worked to help make Israel more receptive to agricultural development, um, th- and all of this came about through the Bible. Um, i also one day tell you about William Blackstone, who in 1891 uh, published the Blackstone Memorial, and that was a Uh, a petition that he got signed by over 400 prominent and prestigious Americans. Listen, I'm telling you something absolutely true, and I emphasize that because it's hard to believe under today's circumstances. But I assure you, it is absolutely true that William Blackstone, uh, who had been a successful business professional himself before he became a pastor, an evangelical pastor, Uh, he secured the signatures of more than 400 prominent Americans, ex-presidents, senators, congressmen, the editors of all the major newspapers in the country, Chicago Tribune, yes, the New York Times, the Baltimore paper, the Philadelphia paper, um, presidents of all the major universities in the country, all signed on to this petition, uh, whose purpose was to get the American government to support the establishment of a Jewish homeland in Palestine, 1891, my friends, 1891. Israel wasn't founded until 1948, but American Christian Zionists were pushing for this all through the 19th century, all because of the Bible. That's what it was. And so even if you are a secular person, I recommend that you have yourself a copy of the Bible, because it's just too important a volume in the history and culture of where you are in the world uh, for you to be completely unknowledgeable about it. So there you are. It's it's an inexpensive purchase, but I think everybody should have it. And uh, if you do, you might take a look at Ecclesiastes chapter four, and in Ecclesiastes chapter four verse twelve there's a sequence of a few verses talking about how much more effective two people are than one person alone says number one when it comes to energy and warmth like two people sleeping together warm each other up two people um, producing energy uh, two people can do more than one um, the idea that one and one if, In other words, if two separate people produce, they will not produce nearly as much as the two people who cooperate and collaborate and communicate. Uh, in other words, two are much more effective than the individuals working separately, even if you add the products of their labors together. And then lastly, in defeating adversity, two are, again, better than one. They can encourage each other and so on and so forth. So um, at the end of that section, the the last verse of these examples these three examples of how two people are better than one uh, the last verse is the three stranded cord will not quickly break does that make sense the solomon has just told you how much better the two are than one two is better than one this way two people are better than one this way two are better than one this way, one. This way. don't you think he should have written And the two-plied cord won't break quickly. After all, wouldn't that prove the point he's making? What does the three-stranded cord have to do with it? And it's not in a separate verse. It's part of this. So it clearly applies to what he's talking about. Isn't that a great question? Something you really need to look at. Why does Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12 and the next few verses, why after giving three examples of how two is really much better than one why doesn't he then say and the two-ply cord won't break quickly that would prove what he's talking about no the three-ply cord answer because in all of these cases human cooperation at its deepest level comes about because of a shared belief in something bigger now i'd like to say god but it doesn't have to be god if um, you you get a certain amount of unity in criminal gangs, because there's a belief in something bigger, uh, there's a certain amount of uh, commonality and ability to cooperate in uh, in uh, atheistic uh, environments, organizations, regimes. Right? Yeah. Anything that. You need something outside. You need a third thing that helped bring him together. And that's what Solomon is saying here. It's brilliantly insightful that it's not just a case of Tom and Jerry digging a ditch and they'll do more digging together than separately. It's not just a case of Harry and Jeremy who uh, can, between the two of them, create energy and warmth. No, it's that these two people need something bigger. They need a third thing that will help to unify them and uh, bring about their connection. And this, by the way, is absolutely central. Uh, if you are starting a business partnership with somebody, you'd be so wise to make the partnership about even more than just making money. Not that making money is a just, it's a big thing in and of itself. But if, if you shared something else, between the two of you, wow, you'd really accomplish something, and so that's what Solomon is saying, Uh, two are better than one, but it needs a three-stranded cord, needs the two participants, plus that third external energy source, if you like, that helps to bring about their unification, well, that applies very beautifully in the area of money and marriage, these are two areas that are very closely connected. Uh, Money, marriage, and faith is the three-stranded cord in this case. Yes, marriage is something which is better attempted when you have some money. Man, speaking to you, man, doesn't apply to women at all. And uh, you'll have to read more of my material if you want to delve into that a little more deeply. But for now, uh, guys, you'd be best off making sure that you um, are actually, you've got a few dollars in your pocket before you set about finding a wife. For one thing, the quality of wife you will win is higher if you've already proven yourself a little bit financially. Now, some very foolish boys sometimes say, oh, I want a girl who loved me for me, not for my money. And uh, all I can say is that that is silly. It's childish. And it simply uh, neglects the essential reality that a man's ability to make money is intrinsically tied to his identity, to his masculinity, and to his relationships. Show me a man who is making money honorably and honestly. And I will see a man who has relationships, and a man who has earned the trust of other people, and a man who is connected with other people, and a man who looks people in the eye because he has a backbone built on financial independence. Yes! Absolutely. If uh, if I advise a girl, as I often do, yes, absolutely. Don't let anybody say, oh, she's such a gold digger. Uh, that is a stupid, disparaging term for a woman doing exactly what a wise woman ought to do, uh, which is make sure that in she's not falling in love with a pretty face um, and she's not being drawn by the universal appeal of the bad boy, but she is seeing that this man has a healthy relationship with money. Oh, yes. Uh, and um, she will be happier. Uh, there is no doubt about it that women are more comfortable emotionally, physically, and uh, in every way in a relationship when she feels secure. And if a man has a few dollars, the man, if her man has a few dollars, her feeling of security skyrockets incredibly important and and so what i'm saying is that your ability to attain and achieve and maintain good marriage depends on money but here's the shocker like any reliable equation it reads the same forwards and backwards right two plus two equals four okay hey guess what four equals two plus two that's right you can read it right to left or left to right um hey you know what if you take one atom of hydrogen and you take another atom of hydrogen and you add an atom of oxygen, H plus H plus O, hey, you get water. Absolutely true. How about this one? Hey, here's a drop of water. How about we split it up and we'll get a hydrogen and another hydrogen? Added? Yep, that's true as well. Any true equation reads true forwards or backwards. And so if money produces good marriage, then marriage produces good money. That's absolutely right. Uh, men with great marriage relationships do, in general, much better than bachelors. Much, much better financially. And uh, the the reasons are real and true and complex and authentic. You cannot miss that, even just looking around. And I should tell you, one of the very interesting biblical sources for uh, what I just told you before, which is that, Uh, A wise man, a wise young man, a bachelor, first of all, establishes a place to live. He establishes his income, and only after that gets involved with a woman. And uh, one of the places we see this is, uh, again, uh, for those of you interested, Deuteronomy chapter 20, Um, and it speaks about then the uh, officers of the army shall address the troops and they're saying is there anybody who's built a new house but not yet dedicated he shouldn't go to battle Uh, he should go home to his house lest he builds the house and somebody else gets to live in it that's something god doesn't like it's 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 too depressing is anyone who's planted a field or a vineyard but has not yet eaten of the produce of that. Let him go home, lest he die in battle. And another person, that's too painful for God. That a that a human being builds a house, builds a business, builds plants a vineyard, and then doesn't get to enjoy it because he dies in battle too much. And then finally, the last one is: There anyone yet who is um, who has uh, betrothed a bride, but who has not yet married her? Uh, he should go back home, lest he die in battle. And another man marries her. Again, too much. Right? Couple falls in love. He goes off to the army, and they never actually live together as man and wife. Too painful. And so, ancient Jewish wisdom takes the sequence there of what from the sequence of what the officers say to the army: Is there a man who's built a house? Is there a man who's planted a vineyard? Is there a man who's married a wife? That is the recommended order. First of all, you need a place to live. Number two, you need an income. And number three, you then need a wife. That's the sequence. And that's really what you would say to that guy who lost his memory and knocked on your door and said, I'm an amnesiac. Can you possibly help me? Can you um, uh, help me uh, know what are the things that I should do in order to make my life successful? Um Alrighty, well, that is, I think, for the moment, as far as we can go. I will just say this, that uh, when the Israelites came out of Egypt in the book of Exodus, the whole story of the Exodus, uh, there were two things that had to happen. One was that they had to to gather money, which is, again, fascinating, right? Because you think to yourself, anybody who's in uh, in slavery, and along comes the leader and says, you know what, we can get you out of slavery, but you first have to go around and get all the money. They say, listen, forget the money, just get us out of slavery. And yet, no, uh, Israel had to leave with money. That was God's requirement, and they did. Secondly, before they could leave, they had to have a uh, a special meal, and this meal had to be held in a father-led home. You know why? Because family is one of the casualties of slavery. And this makes no difference as to whether you are enslaved by the master in the big house on the hill, or whether you are enslaved by government. If somebody else, your government or your master, is paying for your food and paying for your house and keeping you alive, then that destroys family. Because one of the things that makes a man want to be a husband and a father is to be needed. And when government takes over the job of sustaining a woman and her children, yes, the program's called AFDC Aid for Families with Dependent Children. Sounds nice, right? Sounds beautiful and compassionate and lovely. Let's give money to all these women who are having children without husbands. Well, not surprisingly, any behavior that you subsidize, you get more of, and uh, you get fewer and fewer men interested in being married. That's right. And so, in order to solve the problem of slavery, God knew he could get the Israelites out of slavery. But how do you get slavery out of the Israelites? Number one, they've got to have financial independence. And number two, they've got to rebuild their families. And that's why the Paschal lamb meal had to, and it's stressed, had to be held around a meal with a family, around a table, father-led gotta be father led and uh, the same thing is true at the end of the garden of eden story adam and eve are banished out of the garden of eden into the world and they're given two things bread a a metaphor for money and each other a male female relationship a marriage that's right you want to survive in this world you want to thrive in this world you need money and marriage those two things go together don't for a moment think that you can forget marriage and just make money, and you'll be happy. Don't for a moment think that all you need is love, as the Beatles so famously sang so long ago. Um, No, it doesn't work like that. So let's take a gentle bank to the right and head in for a final approach as we bring this show in for a landing. And look, you are either a man or a woman, and uh, you are either married or single. Now, if you are no longer married, you might be divorced, you might be widowed, uh, but you have children, then you are already way ahead of this game. One of the most dreadful lies that has been promulgated over the last number of years, particularly to young women, and this this starts in, in middle school or maybe even earlier than that and goes all the way through high school and beyond, is that the most fulfilling thing you can do as a woman is to have a satisfying career. And uh, it, this is just obviously a, 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 a flagrant lie and and one that uh, inevitably produces great disappointment and uh, one need only read the literature you don't have to have been a rabbi and had uh, large numbers of young women crying in your study uh, about having realized too late on on this fundamental thing so but so if you've already got children, you're way ahead. Now, could your relationships with your children be improved? Of course, no matter how good they are, everything can be improved. And uh, and that's not a bad thing to be doing, no matter how old you are. But um, other than that, if you are a single male or a single female, never been married, uh, or you are married, uh, single ma- married female, married male, uh, either either in all of these cases, there is something of value in today's show. If you are a single never before married woman, well, you know what that is, right? you, 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 you have to be thinking marriage and um, and please if you are one of these young women infected, by the destructive dogmas of feminism, and um, you have managed to convince yourself or your sisters have convinced you that uh, that men are intimidated by you, and that's why they don't uh, want to go out with you and they don't want to court you. They're intimidated by your success. Um, please be be corrected by your rabbi i assure you men are not intimidated by you they just don't want to think of living with you it's something very different and so there are a lot of things to do there are a lot of things you can do if you are genuinely interested in being becoming a wife and hopefully a mother There are a lot of things you can do. Admittedly, as I've spoken about many times in earlier episodes of the show, the actual act of proposing marriage has to be male-driven for reasons I've discussed. But there's a lot that you can still do. And uh, if you are a a single man, well, then number one, you need to make sure that you are in the position of already generating income, because it's almost impossible to think creatively and productively about marriage if you don't have a financial path in life. So if you happen to be a young man and you are racking up debt at college, doing a course on uh, Uh, colonialism in climate change, or political ecology, or uh, racism in Icelandic literature, please quit. Not tomorrow, today. Quit and go and spend a year becoming a rigger. It'll take you 40 hours to get yourself an OSHA safety license. Go and find a company that'll take you on as a rigger and teach you the ropes. And believe me, at the end of a year, you will have so many opportunities opening up for you. So many things that will be happening for you. Now, uh, there's a Dr. Robert Malone who was uh, instrumental in developing various vaccines over his uh, career. What's interesting is that he started out as a carpenter uh he was uh, he was doing basic basic carpentry work after high school that's what he did and after he'd been doing that for a little while he suddenly got it into his head that he wanted to become a doctor and with huge force of will and great persistence that's what he did my point is that if you are a young recently high school graduate out of high school and uh, you don't know what to do, so you decided to go to college, and at college you didn't know what to do, so they led you into a course on the um, colonialism in climate, or uh, racism in Icelandic literature, or anything else equally stupid, Um, get out of there, You're, you're getting nothing of any value, you're wasting your time, valuable, valuable, valuable days of your life at this stage, get out of there, you don't know what to do, go and become a rigger, that's all, That's what you'll, you'll learn really useful skills. Uh, You might find yourself, basically you'll rise as high as you possibly can and want to. So uh, it's, it's, I'm picking rigging because you only need a high school sitter. You basically, you, you, a high school diploma would work as well. Uh, Basically, it's what you can do. It's, um, and by the way, when uh, people tell you about the gender pay gap, What they're sometimes looking at feels like rigging, and what they do is they divide all the money earned by um, women in rigging, and they compare it to all the money earned by men in rigging, and guess what? Uh, Those two numbers are not close to one another. They then claim, see, gender gap, not at all, I'm thoroughly dishonest because it doesn't take into account the fact that very, very few women choose the job of rigging. It's extraordinarily physical, very strenuous. Uh, A lot of it is out of doors and uh, it requires physical strength. It is also dangerous. So it's naturally and understandably, and I, I'm far from criticizing. I think, of course, women are smart not to select that. Uh, it's just it it's not good for women anyways. But uh, anyways, that's what happens. And um, it is nonetheless, for guys, a perfectly wonderful entry into the wonderful world of work. If you don't want to do that, then uh, go and find a sales job. I don't care what it is, Uh, pharmaceuticals, tractors, bulldozers, machine tools, uh, anything at all. Find a sales job where there's only one thing you need, and that is a sales manager who's really devoted to mentoring people. You don't want a sales job in a company that counts on high turnover where they just burn through salespeople. You want somewhere where uh, the sales manager is somebody who really is looking to build a team and, and you will learn things, I promise you, are not only more valuable to you than, uh, than some of the silly courses I, I mentioned earlier, but um, more valuable to you than many, many, many other things you could possibly do at college. So, those are definitely ways that, that you could move ahead. And, um, Uh, people who are already married, men and women who are married, hey, you know what, how about a time to uh, enhance your marriage, work on it a little bit, develop it, expand it, grow it. Um, All of these things are are possible. And by the way, um, a way to communicate to your husband, ladies, uh, if you are attracted by the notion of, perhaps seeing if there's a way to enhance every aspect of your marriage. Um, we guys sometimes do a little bit better in being written to than being spoken to. We sometimes don't hear so well. And um, and a technique that I often recommend to uh, wives is write your husband a letter. Um, you know, read it. Read it carefully several times and certainly wait a day after you've written it and read it again and then send it either in email but i would always prefer real paper and um and let it always it shouldn't just be complaints but it should also have real ideas things you could be doing things that the two of you could do together that would open up new vistas in your marriage, something really very, very worthwhile doing. Um, Always a good start for all of these things. In this show, I've been focusing on money and marriage. But as you know, the five F's focus on all five of your F's. And so if you have not yet downloaded for yourself a free copy of our book called The Holistic You – then you definitely want to go to our website and uh, uh, you'll look for uh, We Happy Warriors. And at, there you go to rabbidaniellappin.com and you'll find a tab for We Happy Warriors. And under that, you'll find the Holistic You, the ebook, And you can download that for free right away. And it will be mind-expanding. It will be truly exciting in that it opens up possibilities that, if you haven't done this project before, will we'll, we'll be exciting and transformational. It's, it's going to make you suddenly aware of how every part of your life interacts with every other part, divided into the five main categories of friendship, faith, family, finances, and fitness— and uh, how these all interconnect with one another and how you can really benefit from them in every aspect of your life, even though we've been focusing on finance and marriage today. So, my dear friends, I thank you always uh, for promoting the show and for telling folks around it. Uh, You know, if you tell one person a week about the show, um, that's like 50 people a year. So, it's definitely working because I love the numbers and uh, it, it makes me excited, fills me with added resolve to uh, give you the best of which I'm capable. So thanks very much indeed for that. Thank you all for participating. And I want to wish you a week of growth as we start 2022, a week of growth in your family, and in your friendships, and in your finances, and and in your faith, and in your fitness. I'm Rabbi Daniel Lappin. God bless.